Super Talk Mississippi media production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And good Friday afternoon to everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson with the TGIF edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us wherever you're listening around the state this afternoon or if you're listening online. uh, We welcome you aboard and uh, we look forward to another hour of Southern Miss Conference USA Sports Talk. Kevin Maloney from Jones College is about to join us. We're going to dip into the JUCO ranks a little bit and kind of see what uh, the future holds for junior college football. Also, Daniel Stewart from First Bank, uh, the owner, of course, of the First Bank Studio, being First Bank. He'll be on the show later. Kelly Sander, who's traveling today, but will be reporting in from the road. Uh, Never know exactly what that means, but Kelly will be joining the show in a bit. Opening segment sponsored, as it is every day, by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics. And, of course, the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their delicious fall-off-the-bone ribs. Their brisket is fantastic. Uh, they're open seven days a week. Luke Johnson, you know a little bit about that. You were actually at a Dickey's last week and uh, had something none of us had ever heard of before. The Mac Stack. It's got uh, some macaroni and cheese, some brisket on top. You put a little barbecue sauce on that. It is much better than well, the way I'm describing it. But I actually sat down in a Dickey's. Looked around, they served me, and the food was amazing. So uh, be sure to hit up your local Dickie's Great Barbecue, and now you can go inside, so that's even better. All right, some uh, technical issues there, uh, picking uh, Luke up. Uh, Luke, if you can hear me, we're just not picking you up on this end. I want to take a look at the board, uh, see if there's anything we can correct. But Kevin Maloney joins us now from Jones College. He is the uh, Associate uh, Sports Information Director for Jones. Kevin, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you. Of course, uh, we have no sports to talk about here the last three months that we've been uh, doing the Eagle Hour, so we speculate a lot. And uh, we talk a good bit about JUCO football in Mississippi because it is such a good brand of uh, college football. Uh, From the position you sit in right now, what would you say fans can expect uh, in regard to a football season in the JUCO ranks? I just feel like in some capacity we will have football, uh, and I think all the other sports will kind of follow suit. I mean, football is the one that everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens with, and I think it's just a trickle-down effect. Uh, Talking with my boss, the athletic director, Joel Kane, we're waiting on an official announcement from the NJCA on Friday, June 19th. Um, I guess that's kind of when we find out, hey, is it going to be half capacity, um, no fans, Personally, I think there will be fans. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like you leave it in the fans' hands. You know, it's like if you feel comfortable coming in, come on. If you don't, don't. You know, maybe there's obviously longer lines waiting to get in, uh, whether it's testing, taking your temperature, whatever. It's kind of like you as the fan assume the risk. And if you're on one side of the fence or the other, it's kind of up to you. Um, but at the same time, it's such a big revenue maker, and it helps all the other sports. You know, you look at the major college level, 
uh, college football in the SEC alone is pulling in 40-something million a school, and that helps fund all the other sports, tennis, the softball, volleyball, all those sports. So it's just hard for me to believe that it's such a big revenue maker that in one way, shape, or form, we're going to have a, a season. In junior college, we've heard possibly we have a nine-game schedule. Maybe we knock off the non-conference opponents and just play a conference schedule, a six-game schedule, plus the playoffs and, and, and conference championship. Uh, but me personally, football, it, it's got to be played, um, and, and I think there it will be. So yesterday we have a discussion with uh, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald and the <clears throat> The idea came up, or the question came up, so what happens when you bring athletes back in, you start getting them ready for football season, maybe you even get into the football season, and some of the players start turning up positive for COVID-19. Have you heard any discussion on the junior college level as to how that scenario would be addressed? Well, I think, you know, with us, whatever the NCAA does, the NJCA will follow suit as well. But to me, I think when I first saw their model, it said something like it cost a thousand dollars, like to test each student athlete, um, you know, before a game. But uh, yeah, I think to me, it's going to be that before a game, before a practice, I think it's literally you're going to be tested, like before every one of those. And if you have any kind of symptoms, anything, you, you know, you can't make the road trip, you can't get on the bus, you basically stay at home. Uh, but, I mean, you're talking about already we're already limited in, in junior college football to a 60-man roster. But, yeah, if it's widespread and it gets through your team, it's almost like uh, when you have a staff infection, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe instead of having 55 on the sideline, you're sitting there with 30, <laughs> 35. But uh, I kind of that's just something, yeah, you've got to be aware that that could obviously happen. Right. Luke, I think you're back with us now. Yeah, I'm here. Um, Kevin, talk about – um, just how important you know football is uh, at at Jones College because where, where you're at, I mean, it's one of the leading athletic programs not only in um, not only in, in the state but across the southeast because you see where how many football players come through Ellisville and then go throughout. But what is that? What does the Jones College football program mean to four year universities around the country? Also, well, it, you know what we did in Mississippi last year, and I say we, I use the term as in we, as in the whole football program, the athletic advisors, sports medicine, everyone involved, um, you know, academic coordinators. But we had 26 players on our 55-man roster that will be suiting up at four-year schools next fall. Nobody else in the state wow. of Mississippi and JUCO has 26 players going to Division One just this season alone. And we had 30 sophomores on our roster which means that 27 of our 30 kids total are going on to a, to a four-year school. We had 27 total kids moving on from the 2019 roster. Only one is not going to Division One school. Uh, what Coach Buckley and that staff and Carla Collins have been able to do the last four years they've been here, they've won on the field. Uh, he's 31-10, and 10, I believe, in, in his time here. Uh, last year we were the NJCA's academic team of the year. We had a 3.16 this past football season, uh, the whole academic year. So you've got to think that it's a possibility we'll be the academic team of the year again. So what they're doing on and off the field is kind of unmatched right now in Mississippi Junior College. Uh, but you mentioned it, and, I, and I'll say this too, me being at Northwest Mississippi for the last nine years prior to coming to Jones, we didn't have the crowd size that Jones football games have, you know. We may have had a thousand less, honestly. Jones, you know, we only had four home games last year. 
we're scheduled to just have four home games this year, but you're talking about 2,500, 3,000 people coming to a home game. And for us, that is, you know, our largest revenue maker on this campus when it comes to athletics. So let's just say that we yeah. don't have fans in the stands. We've got to come up with a creative way to try to make some of that revenue back. And, you know, part of our live stream, our live stream's free. JCJC TV, it's free. But if you can't have fans in the stands and we're losing twenty, twenty five thousand dollars in revenue, we're gonna have to find a way to, you know, charge whether it's per broadcast for the season. Maybe it's a hey, three ninety nine per game or fifty for the season, but uh and that's why I say it's so valuable for, for us to have a season. Like we we need football because we're gonna lose a lot of money um if we don't play. And, and and I will say if we do cut non conference and play just the six conference, that's gonna save us a ton of money. Because the first two games of the year right now are road trips to uh, northeast Mississippi and northwest Mississippi, which, if I'm not mistaken, those two trips alone will cost us upwards of $50,000 when it comes to buses, food, travel, all that. So um, we need football in the worst way. But, yeah, what what this college has been able to produce the last four years, it's, it's truly been unmatched. About 90 seconds left, Kevin. Um, you, you've got your pulse. Um, you mentioned your work at Northwest Community College. You've done a lot of work for ESPN, SEC Network, Fox Sports, and CBS. With your coworkers you know, around the country that you've worked with in that, what's kind of everybody's general opinion? Um, how, how many fans we will see in the stands in the fall? Yeah, you know, I, I talk regularly with, with my crew, the guys that I'm up in the TV booth with, um, Taylor Zarzer, Matt Stinchcomb, Alyssa Lang. That, that's our usual Saturday crew. Uh, on SEC Network, but they have all said, hey, we're going to have a season. You know, it's it's too important not to, and they have said half capacity is their initial thought process, but I will say, just like when I talk to them, week to week it changes. You know, one week they're talking to the producers, and they're like, hey, we're, we're going to go gung-ho, like nothing's wrong, and the next week you hear, hey, college football may be played in the spring. So we're all in the same boat. It's like week to week, you kind of just, you know, sitting on your hands hoping for good news. Uh, you know, I am excited that a lot of the states have started kind of slowly opening back up, but we still have to kind of be cautious that we don't jump back in uh, right away. But it's just hard for me to believe that there will not be a football season, at least in some way, shape, or form, whether it's, it's delayed into the middle of September something like that but um i just can't see a scenario where we don't have college football all right kevin we want to thank you for coming on the eagle hour we too hope there's college football but i guess we're all sort of in a wait and see pattern we appreciate your time very much man hope you have a good weekend thank you i'm heading to dickie's barbecue right now (laughs) there we go smart (laughs) man kevin maloney who is the associate sports information director at jones college Football or no football? That right now is the big question, and we still do not have an answer. All right, we're going to switch gears, talk to Daniel Stewart from First Bank about Southern Miss baseball next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Thanks to Kevin Maloney from Jones College for joining us uh, first segment of the show. 
Uh, we're going to bring Daniel Stewart from First Bank on here momentarily. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great place to go buy your Southern Miss swag for your home, for your car, for your body. They're open again. They're on Hardy Street right across the street from the Southern Miss campus, or you can shop them online at CampusBookmart.net, and we hope that you will. Daniel Stewart is the Vice President of Commercial Lending for First Bank. No stranger to our radio show. He's been on with us quite a number of times. Former baseball pitcher for Corky Palmer and uh, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Well, this is one of those great interviews where we're interviewing a guy at First Bank from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Well, hey, we, we are glad that you guys have partnered <laughs> with us, and we we certainly want to continue that. Well, no no question on our end as well. Well, Daniel, i got to ask you, first off, we'll get into the banking business in a minute, but how weird as a former pitcher for the Golden Eagles was it not to be able to follow Golden Eagle baseball this spring? It, it was, uh, you know, I, it's selfish of me to say disappointing, but every spring I think any baseball fan looks forward to being able to watch college baseball in its, its purest form. And if you're a Southern Miss fan, there's nothing like Pete Taylor Park. So it really it was, um, you know, we understand the things that are going on, but really, really didn't miss not getting to watch Golden Eagles play this uh, this spring. No question. Uh, and would have been probably playing in a regional baseball game today or last night. Uh, pretty sure that would have happened. Uh, Daniel, no, no doubt, no doubt. Right. We had a little discussion, uh, I guess, a week or two ago with uh, Coach Barry after a, a five-man committee came up with an idea of maybe pushing college baseball back a month on a permanent basis to where you would start in mid-March and play through the 4th of July. I think that would be when they would talk about playing the College World Series. As a guy that played, and more specifically, as a guy that pitched, would you be in favor of pushing that season back some to avoid some of the cold weather? If, if it is to avoid the cold weather, yes. Um, as a pitcher, one of your hardest things to do when it's cold is to get warmed up. Um, I, I was telling Luke a story earlier, pitched at South Alabama one of those first few weekends, my junior year, I believe it was, and it was about 30 degrees and sleeting. I had on, right when Under Armour came out, had an Under Armour shirt on, a long sleeve shirt, my jersey, and I could barely move. And I'm up there trying to pitch. And uh, it was not the most fun thing to do. You know, you, you bear through it. But if we could push the season back, get into some more milder temperatures, and this, some things could still happen. But uh, it's going to be a little hotter later in the year. But I think from, from a standpoint of practice, uh, pitchers conditioning and, and being able to get warmed up is definitely going to be an advantage. Well, I know Coach Barry told us he worries about it when it's really cold. You know, he's in a game early in the year. It's really cold. He maybe gets toward the end of the game, and there sits his closer out there, and logic tells him to bring the closer in, but he's a little nervous about doing that when it's 30 degrees. Yeah. He, if he's been sitting out there a while, he needs to take some extra extra steps to get warmed up, maybe jog a few laps if he can to get, get the arm and, uh, going and blood pumping. Right. All right, Luke, get in this conversation. Daniel, another you know issue with the uh, the bullpen in in an early game like that. You know, if if you're starting pitcher in a weekday game, a lot of times a weekday game you just stretch out your bullpen. But say you were going to throw a guy five six innings, he gets roughed up in the in uh, you know the second inning, and guys don't have time to warm up properly. And, and like, help our listening audience understand if you're if you're dead cold in the dugout. And they tell you you got to be pitching, you know, in, in the next two batters. How long should it take you to get warm versus how long does it take you to get warm? Uh, well, you know, everybody's different. 
Uh, probably take somebody cold, maybe 10 minutes to safely do it. You know, guys that have probably pushed the envelope, gotten out there and, and done it a little bit too soon. Um, and then when you get in the game, you're still, some guys are out there still kind of warming up as they're pitching the batters. So it does take some extra time to, to get those arms warmed up. And the more warmed up a pitcher can get, the less likely they are to have an injury. So uh, I think it's going to be better all around for our players, or pitchers specifically, if that were to happen, if it's you know weather-related from the cold. Was there ever a time you got tossed into the fire and you're like, dude, I'm at like 70% right now. And so you're, <laughs> you're trying to locate, <laughs> take some off of it just so you don't mess your arm up. Well, I, don't, I can't remember a specific time, but I do remember times where uh, there were other, other pole games, my fingers being a little bit numb and you're thinking, hey, just do not sling this ball to the stands. Hang on to the baseball. get it, <laughs> Just get through this inning. And, and as you go, you get warmed up a little bit more. But Man, yeah, you get out there and it's cold, and your first few pitches, you're just like, hey, hang on to this thing and uh, do the best you can. And, Daniel, I'm going to guess Corky Palmer was not the most sympathetic guy in the world if you said, Coach, I'm feeling kind of cold right now. <laughs> no excuses. He would tell you, you know, get out of the game right now. We're going to get somebody else in this warm if you're too cold right now. <laughs> no grandfather approach, right? None. Not at all. Not at all. Zero. But to that point, you know, they, they did a good job, and they knew the circumstances. They knew the situation we're in. They, they, they got us as ready as we could get when the, when the time came to give us the call. Right. I guess all three of us would would agree that uh, the way the season started and the way the team was playing, as young as it was, but, boy, you know, the last game of the year was that great comeback against Troy. Uh, there was a lot of room for optimism, and I think, Daniel, we would have been uh, contending for another conference championship. Yeah, I think so, too. That's, that's one of the great things about Southern Miss baseball. Coach Barry at the helm, he's going to put a quality product out there every single year. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think this year maybe you know, maybe not had as much pop. He lost Warner. He lost a few other big bats from last year. Gidry, though, had potential, potentially hit the ball hard. Um, so maybe not quite as much power, but the pitching staff is what I really miss seeing. You know, they had some really good starters. I think they were strong Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Really pretty had some depth in the bullpen, so I was really looking forward to seeing the pitching staff through this spring. Right. Um, you know, but unfortunately didn't get to. And you know, guys like the Gidrys of the world—that's who I really feel for uh, right. during times like this, missing the whole year as a senior. Well, I know I've got to let go of it, but but I, I still I'm just still get upset every time I think about losing our baseball season. And I know a lot of people feel I, all over Mississippi too, Daniel. I'm sure the. The folks up in Starkville and Oxford felt the same way. Yeah, they they did. You know, anybody who loves baseball is really disappointed. But you know, Coach Barry said it best: sometimes things are bigger than baseball, and right. sometimes we got to take a step back, um, do what you can do now, and guess what? Next spring's going to roll around, and we'll be we'll be playing baseball again. That's right. All right, just about three minutes left, Daniel. Uh, COVID nineteen has not only affected college baseball; it's affected business. It's affected the banking industry. How has First Bank been affected uh, by this terrible pandemic that we continue to deal with today? We really had to change our approach to how we deal with, with, our, with our clients and our customers. Uh, we understand that these are unforeseen times. These are things you cannot plan for. And as a bank, we have to be able to adjust as well. So when we have a client that says, hey, look, I've lost my job, um, or I've got tenants that aren't paying rent in my rental homes, we have to be able to adapt and adjust to keep these people afloat, help them any way we can. Because we know if we can't help them now, it's going to be detrimental to them 
and then we're going to end up having to, when things do get better, maybe take some steps we don't want to. So we're doing everything we can right now as a bank to help everybody through this time because it is really, really, really difficult, and you really nobody could have really planned for what we're seeing right now. No question. Uh, I get that your banks, like most, are still doing day-to-day business through the drive-through and appointment only in lobbies. Am I correct there? Yes, our, our drive-throughs are open, and uh, actually, a week from today, our lobbies will be reopening as well. So we're really excited about opening the doors again and being able to see everybody face to face. Industry-wide, has your well, your industry's never faced anything like this, has it? No, I don't believe we have. Um, there's always been events that have happened, but of this scale, um, and as quickly as programs and things have rolled out, like the PPP loan program that came out. Our bank, as well as other banks, just kind of stepped up. Um, we Things were changing every day and, and still trying to input loans to help our small business customers. And it was really a great thing that our uh, federal government and Treasury did to inject some capital. And, and anytime you have a program like this, it's not going to be 100% perfect. But it did help a lot of people, and we were glad that we were able to, to participate in that. People may not realize that the First Bank has been around since 1895. 1895 out of Macomb, Mississippi. So we're, we're proud of our roots. We're, we're proud of the, the the business that we've grown in the Hattiesburg market as well. And uh, we're looking forward to, to the next 100 years. We've got a spectacular new facility on Highway 98 West. And when we get the go-ahead to bring the show on the road again, which we, we're missing terribly, uh, we're going to come out there and uh, intrude on you one afternoon and do it from that great patio you got in the back. Hey, hey, it is really, really nice out there. Uh, you know, if it's in the summer, we've got fans. We'll cut those on for you. Um, <laughs> but springtime, fall time, yeah, it's going to be really, really nice. But you guys, as always, are, are always welcome to use any of our facilities. All right, Daniel, we appreciate you very much. I uh, hope we can talk to you about uh, Southern Miss baseball next spring and not about how much we missed it, right? I, I hope so, too. Uh, I've got full confidence that we will. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, guys. Daniel Stewart, everybody, the Vice President of Commercial Lending at First Bank. And we're broadcasting, of course, from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Daniel has some great quirky Palmer stories, Luke. We'll have to get him back on uh, on another day. And, is there a bad quirky story? No, I don't think there is one. No, there's not. And uh, Daniel has a lot of them. All right, Kelly Sander has a few stories of his own. Some make us a little more nervous than others. We'll see what's on Kelly's mind today as he's traveling to Atlanta, Georgia. He's going to do a road report next from Kelly Sander. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Friday, thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Appreciate Daniel Stewart from First Bank joining us in that previous segment and always appreciate First Bank sponsorship of our studios uh, for the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, 895. Uh, if you swung by there today, you got some of Bob's favorite 
the Catfish on Friday, mm. and so mm. we appreciate their uh, sponsorship of the Eagle Hour and swing by next week and grab some uh, great food over at 4th Street. Kelly Sander on the road right now. Um, Kelly, didn't know if you are heading back up to, uh, to Woodall Mountain or Hot Springs, Arkansas. Where are you headed today? Going to the ATL um, <laughs> this weekend. That's Atlanta for for you normal people. Am I am I right, okay. Kelly? I'm sorry about I'm sorry about that. I forget yeah. where I am sometimes. I, I understand. It's, when you get when you get away from Cambridge, you just sort of get disoriented when you get around those common people, right? Well, yeah, you actually have to think in a different kind of frame of mind. Uh, so, okay, I'm on the Eagle Hour now. Got it. I got to lower. Okay, lower my sensibilities here. Okay, I'm with you. Way low Three day on this work show. week for you, Sander. Three day what's, what's work that? week for you. How'd you how'd you swing that? Three day work week. No Memorial Day. No work on Memorial Day, and you take Friday off. I know. I I need to slow down. I really do. <laughs> you do. Um, I know. I am working way too hard. Yeah, you definitely are. Uh, well, uh, apparently, Kelly, the minor league baseball players are not going to be working way too hard, are they? You know, and, and it's really, Bob, this, we, we've talked about this before on the show about how this pandemic has really got everybody, you know, athletic directors and so on, really rethinking um, life as they knew it. Because now, you know, you probably all saw where a thousand minor league baseball players were essentially cut yesterday, uh, that their payments from their major league teams uh, have stopped. And, and talking with some of the, uh, the insiders with, with Major League Baseball, and, and Jeff Passan has, has tweeted about this some, um, that a lot of the uppers, you know, the, the, the suits, if you will, of Major League Baseball are now saying, look, is it necessary that we have all of these minor league players, you know, the instructional leagues, the, the summer leagues, the low A, high A, rookie ball, you know, single A, double A, triple A. That's a lot of baseball players to have to pay. Right. And, obvi- and obviously, the lower you go on that rung, the less the pay is. But but they're they're kind of quietly talking amongst themselves, baseball executives, as a way to to thin out the herd, if you will, of minor league baseball players and teams, and maybe going to one feeder team, which I guess for this illustration, could be your AAA team. And instead of the minor league draft being 40 rounds, literally doing it like the NFL and maybe drafting only 7 to 10 players mm-hmm. every year, which if you think it's competitive now to find a major league baseball contract, how competitive would it be then? I mean, just, just to be drafted. And then you take into, you know, the, the number of international players, which are so good. Uh, you know, you throw them into the mix competing for spot. And it could completely change the complexion of Major League Baseball as we know it. And look, the longer this layoff goes on, the more these plans are seriously being thought of. And this is what the Players Association, they're, they're, they've got to be very careful here. Uh, because the longer they, quote-unquote, aren't needed, the more the owners are going to realize they're not needed, and they can reorganize baseball as we know it. So we, these are really historic times, not just history in textbooks, but sports history. A mm-hmm. um, lot of things are going to change. So a lot of these players who their dream of working their way up the ladder 
you know, next year at this time, they could be looking for jobs like a lot of us. Right. Luke? Yeah. But you you look at what the Twins are doing. This just broke uh, a few minutes ago. The Twins are committed to paying their minor league players $400 a week stipend, but they're giving them their full benefits, including health insurance, through August 31st. And that's, you know, at the end of August, 1st of September, when the playoffs um, kind of start. That's when the minor league uh, winds down. So, I mean, kudos to the Twins. I mean, they're taking care of their own. I don't expect the Marlins <laughs> or any of the uh, bottom-end financial uh, franchises to follow suit, Kelly. But, Luke, and, and I, I hear what you're saying about the Twins, and good for them, but it's through August. I mean, Monday's going to be the 1st of June. So, the, so these are guys, you know, and, and many of them, because of the, the nature of baseball, have pulled up their stakes and moved their families to wherever they might be playing baseball. So, I mean, they now have essentially got two months to try to completely reroute their lives because – it's only through August, and then you don't know what's going to happen, you know, from then on. Mm. So it's really going to make the elite players in professional baseball even more elite because those spots on those major league rosters are going to be, you know, they're even going to be more coveted than before. This so is, it uh, is, good that, this it is, is even, good that, even more. The, the Dodgers, uh, you know, David Price, a new member of the Dodgers, David Price himself is going to give every Dodger minor leaguer $1,000 in the month of June. So, you know, I, I suspect we will see more of that from from the top down and to help those guys out. And it's pre- precisely what you just said. Uh, the minor leagues are so volatile and the turnover rate is so wild up and down the, the, the system. It's, it's heartbreaking because you got guys in our Southern Miss family, you know, who are who are just beginning, the Nick Sandlins and the – you know, Kirk, uh, Kirk McCarty's and Taylor Braley's of the world who finally got, you know, got their break that they deserve, you know, based on their performance on the field. And now they may not ever even get a chance to fully, you know, reach their potential as players because it's, because it's so competitive elsewhere. And because of this pandemic, this pandemic alone uh, could completely, and you hope it doesn't happen, but realistically, it's a numbers game, and there's going to be attrition. You know, some, some guys are going to have to go. So, Kelly, here's a politically incorrect question along those lines for you. If, in fact, uh, the number of minor league teams is reduced, the number of coveted spots on major league teams and teams underneath them are drastically reduced, would the league ever look at perhaps uh, being less dependent on South American uh, continental players uh, to provide more opportunity for American players, or would that sort of thing never be never be broached? Well, from a financial standpoint, you know, you would think that the owners would, would prefer uh, foreign players because, generally speaking, they'll play for a lot less money than American players will, and that's just been the culture. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if they would, you know, and I don't know if you could in this day and age, you know, say X, X number of these guys have got to be from here or X numbers. Cause no sport does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the Indy Racing League, it's it's mixed up between South Americans, you know, and, and North Americans. And there, there are drivers from all over the world. 
soccer, you know, the world soccer leagues. There are players from all over the world. So there, there's just no, there's no way, in my opinion, that you could that you could rope off a certain section, as it were, and say this is, you know, this is just for American guys. Uh, that 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 won't work. And does there ever become a danger of of there being too few American players in Major League Baseball for the taste of baseball fans? Well, possibly, but when you look at the when you look at the makeup now of Major League rosters, a, a good bit, good percentage of Major League rosters are Hispanic. Correct. You know, the pitchers pitchers tend to be more you know uh, um, from north you know from the United States, um, but other. other there's a lot of Dominican and, and South American uh, right. Cuban players, so um, I, I wouldn't foresee that changing at all. And, and, you want the you want the best of the best. Well, that's know? right. And, and so that my question is, is made clear, I, I will tell you that uh, I, I've read numerous articles and, and seen numerous comments about players from the Dominican Republic and, and and those parts of the world saying that they would have never knelt, they would have never disrespected the American flag. That they were very, very grateful for the opportunities that they were given in America. So I, I want to emphasize that. I'm not saying I don't think those young men should be in Major League Baseball because I think they seem to be the most appreciative of all, Kelly, of what the country offers them. And, and the bottom line is in any professional sport, you want the best wherever they come from. Correct. And that, that's the way it has to be. Right. America is any, any company, any corporation – you know, super super talk. I mean, Telesouth Communications wants the very best that there is, which leads me to ask the question. Why am I here? Did, yeah, exactly. How did we get this show? <laughs> don't bring that up again, Kelly. I don't want to bring okay. that to their attention. <laughs> it might be the end of this little gig we've got going here. But, but certainly unprecedented times. I no mean, question. It's, uh, going to really change the whole complexion of baseball. All right, Kelly, we appreciate you. Are you going to be nightclubbing in the ATL tonight? Do we understand that? Well, I'm not at liberty to discuss my, my whereabouts, Bob, but it's, uh, I, I just have three words, new world order. That's all I have to say. <laughs> be careful, <laughs> Kelly, and come back, okay? Yeah, will do. Thanks, guys. All right, Kelly Sander on the road, everybody, but still has time for the Eagle Hour, and we appreciate that very much. All right, when we come back, Luke and I have a few things to talk about. We're going to wrap up uh, another week of Southern Miss Sports Talk on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment of the week brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. When you're out looking for a new vehicle, go to toyotahattiesburg.com. Check out all their inventory and then go see uh, your new cars on lot there on Highway 98. Pick you out one. They will be more than happy to help you. SUV, truck, or a sedan, Toyota makes some of the best vehicles out there, and Toyota Hattiesburg can help you with your next automobile purchase. A couple news notes. Kylie Grandy, graduate uh, 
player for the beach volleyball team at Southern Miss, named to the U.S. Beach Collegiate National Team. 29 players from across the country uh, selected, and she is one of those 29 young ladies. That's pretty good. Congratulations to her. Yeah, really good. And, and the beach volleyball team was off to a, a really good start. They were five and two, and Grandy uh, had just uh, defeated uh, number eleven South Carolina in, in her match. And uh, then, of course, the, the season cut short. Training plans for the national team um, are on hold because of uh, COVID nineteen. But Southern Miss uh, beach volleyball player Kylie Grandy named to the U.S. Beach Collegiate National Team. Also on southernmiss.com, they've been doing this during the COVID-19 outbreak, just honoring different Golden Eagle uh, athletic alumni um, who are in the medical professional world. Kim Curry Ryder, who was uh, a letterman in cross country and track from 1993 to 1996, ran the 1500 and 3000. She's currently a physical therapist at Merritt Health Wesley in Hattiesburg, won the 1996 NCAA Woman of the Year distinction for Mississippi, and it was part of an award ceremony in Kansas City. And we uh, we just want to say thank you to Kim Ryder, former Southern Miss uh, track and field athlete and cross country also for serving our community as a medical professional. All right, Bob. Um, interesting uh, put out by ESPN, interesting graphic. If I were to ask you the top ten of the world's highest paid athletes, now this is from – June the 1st, 2019, to June the 1st of 2020. Top 10, any sport in the world. How many of those do you think would be basketball players? Well, you would think a lot. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I think we're going to be surprised at, at how few are, are American sports athletes. Am I correct about that, Luke? Yeah, and it's not just that. I would I would think uh, you know maybe a couple of baseball players, right. um, a couple of football players. On the world's highest paid athlete, there is not one baseball player on that list. Not that's, one. That's hard to believe, isn't it? There is not one American in the top four. Really telling. Mm-hmm. And there is not one basketball, football, or golfer in the top four either. The top paid athletes in the world. The first is a tennis player, Roger Federer. Mr. Federer will make roughly $106 million over the last year. The next three are soccer players, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, and Neymar. Ronaldo at 105, Messi at 104, Neymar at 95.5. Then the next three are Americans and all are basketball players. LeBron James at 88.2, Curry at 74.4, and Kevin Durant at 63.9. Then Tiger Woods comes in at number eight with a cool 62.3 million. We still haven't hit football players yet. The last two on the list, both football players, both quarterbacks, Carson Wentz at 59.1 million. Guess who number nine is? (laughs) I think I know. I think I know, and uh, as a as a lifelong Redskin fan, it's a bittersweet pill to follow. But I think it's Kirk Cousins, isn't it? Ding, ding, ding! Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings is the number nine highest paid athlete over the last year in the world. No Drew Brees, no Tom Brady. Yes, this is in the world. 
So the question of, I guess, Bob, analyzing this list is, who is Kirk Cousins' agent and where do I sign up? Well, he's the number one agent in the world. There can be no question about that, right? Because, I mean, Kurt's a good football player and he's a good quarterback, but the truth is, Luke, I mean, come on. He's never played, he's never played in a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think he's ever played in an, in an NFC championship game. I don't think he's ever led his team to that. But I tell you what he does lead. He leads to the bank uh, every Sunday afternoon. He, There's he no question about that. What's that? What is that per game Kirk Cousins makes, Luke? Um, well, let's see. For this year, uh, because he took a reduced salary, Poor guy. he was on a three-year $84 million, but his current mm, um, is a $9.5 million. So if you do – Mm, let's do the math. Nine point five million divided by seventeen, uh, roughly about five hundred fifty-eight thousand uh, a game. But but it jumps up to twenty-one million, and then it jumps up to thirty-five million in twenty twenty-two. But in, in wow. last year, yeah, it's it's pretty wild when you think about Kirk Cousins being the ninth highest paid. Athlete in the world. In the world. Here's here's the thing though. If you're out there, kids, don't play baseball. Don't play basketball. Don't play football. Play tennis and you may make 106 million Or soccer. You know, try soccer or tennis. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thanks, Luke, for reminding me at the end of the week just how poor I really am. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go back to my house and and uh and soul up for a while. No, I'm going to go back to my house and enjoy the weekend. I hope everybody listening to us does the same. Hope you stay safe out there. Stay away from the virus, but enjoy yourself and protect your family. We'll be back Monday at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.